Welcome back to Camden Cast, your Baltimore Orioles podcast from CamdenChat.com. Joining you once again, I'm Mark Brown with my newly gainfully employed co-host, Andrew Gibson. He's Hi, the, Mark. He's now burrowing to the inside of the baseball industry with his new job at Baseball Info Solutions. Congrats, Andrew. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's pretty exciting just to know it's somebody. It's very exciting. Uh, and I hope that it gives me... I guess some extra insight for these podcasts and uh, our general writing on Camden Chat. It really seems like a dream job. And by the way, my baseball dream job is definitely would be to be the radio voice of the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, if anybody ever listens to this who's like working for WBAL and Fred Manfred or Joe Angel decides to retire or something, seriously, uh, here's my audition tape. So... We are recording this on uh, May the 31st, before our game against Seattle, where we will be playing our old friend, Eric Bedard. 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 Yes. So, hopefully that's not a uh, disaster, but we've kind of been stewing in the bitter juices of a four-day losing streak for yesterday evening and today, and... uh, we actually meant to record this podcast on Memorial Day, but that didn't end up working out. But uh, to any of our overseas, if we have anybody overseas or currently in the USA who is a veteran, seriously, thank you for your service. And on that note, Andrew has a little trivia question that has to do with veterans. There is one Hall of Famer in, in the baseball world who was buried in Arlington National Cemetery which is, of course, the large, very sober, somber military graveyard in Washington, D.C. Well, Arlington, Virginia, but just outside. Um, And I know who it is because I looked it up, but I'm pretty sure Mark does not know who it is. No. Off the top of my head, I could say, like, the only Hall of Famer I'm sure was in the service at all is, like, Bob Feller and... I bet it's not him. So. It's it's not Bob Feller. Okay. Uh, I actually I just found out yesterday, um, reading on SB Nation's baseball page, that Al Bumbry was a a v- veteran of the Vietnam War. I did not know this. I did not know that either. That's interesting. And that that makes me proud, very proud, to be an Orioles fan and an American. I guess. All of the above. Yeah, and I have friends who are currently serving overseas and not a day goes by that I don't think about them and I'm not concerned about what they're up to um and uh I'm very proud of them and I hope I get to see them soon uh in the meantime they will have to enjoy this trivia question which we'll get back to in a little bit in a little bit so last well what earlier in the season I guess we were talking about kind of inhaling or injecting the orange kool-aid um i think at this point we're kind of more like to where we're like uh working with haterade instead of orange kool-aid and maybe we're kind of freebasing it just kind of got it in the spoon and we're like you know <laughs> flicking the it's, lighter underneath it you know it's the horrible afternoon after the the binge it's uh yeah it's it's getting pretty ugly because I mean, I guess we shouldn't be going off the deep end hitting the panic button here, but I mean, it really feels like the Orioles are lucky to only be four games under 500 as of the time we're recording this, and I don't know. I, I'm not feeling good about tonight, but we'll see what happens. It's just There's just so much that's uh, 
should be better than it is. They've been a disappointment. Um, I don't think that's unfair at all. Just, you know, the record, I, I suppose it's really easy to say, well, if I told you, Mark, that they would be four games under five hundred on June 1st, I bet you would take it. I definitely would. That's the thing. If like if you sold that to me on March the thirty first, I would say, sure, that sounds great. That's so much better than being, you know, twenty three and fifty three like we were last year or whatever. Yeah. Um just one of the things I, I worried about at the beginning of the season when a lot of the discussion on Camden chat was how important is it to win eighty one games in two thousand eleven? And I was thinking, um, sort of going back and forth on it, that I'm not sure if winning 81 games would necessarily be that much more fun to watch as a fan than winning 69 games. I mean, that sounds stupid because that's 12 extra wins, 12 fewer losses. But, you know, up to this point, there's been like two weeks non-consecutive weeks that the Orioles have been fun to watch. One of them was the first week of the season. But on the whole, they're just, they're not a fun team yet. And I think the biggest reason that even when they're winning, it's a little rough to watch is, I don't know if we still have the worst bullpen ERA in the league, but we probably do because I don't feel like they've gotten any better since that statistic was... uh, was put out so I mean I can tell you every game that the Orioles win that Kevin Gregg is the pitcher on the mound when they win he just he saps all of the fun out of the win yeah so I guess that's thing number one is we hate the bullpen uh because Kevin Gregg Kevin Gregg has an eight well a 7.97 walks per nine innings right now that is like horrendous he's it's not just bad he's He's walking one batter more than he strikes out per nine innings. He's only got a 3.54 ERA. He has to be the luckiest. I don't even know. Like, like the other day, honestly, I almost hoped he just would walk the bases loaded and then give up Grand Slam. Just, just so it's glaringly apparent that Kevin Gregg is, is bad. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Where, I mean, I want nothing more on... Any given night, including tonight, as much as I love Monsieur Bedard, to to see the Orioles just go out there and crush whoever they're facing. But when Kevin Gregg is on the mound, just something in me just snaps. I'm like, I just want this guy to get lit up. Especially when he's in a game where the Orioles are already losing. So it's like, the game's already pretty much a lost cause. Yeah. So I wouldn't, well, I mean, I don't want the Orioles to be walking the bases loaded and giving up a grand slam, but I just... It's one of those things where I look at it and it's like, do I need to think, well, I hope this gets worse so it can start getting better? Like, I hate thinking things like that. But when you see the likes of Kevin Gregg and then, I mean, we, we're going to probably talk about Mike Gonzalez every podcast until that, uh, that he's, he's gone like from the team. That does a strong possibility. <laughs> I would say, I think, talking about Mike Gonzalez. Yeah. Hopefully, Stacy will forgive me for lifting my Mike Gonzalez embargo just for the sake of this podcast, because uh, I think I was ranting to her uh, a week or so ago about it, and she was like, I'm worried about your health, man. You gotta, 
You gotta just back off the gods, though, Hayden. Uh, maybe I'm worried that. about every Oriel fan's health when we have to talk about Mike Gonzalez and Kevin yeah. Craig. Ugh. Mike Gonzalez has thrown 17.1 innings. He has a 7.79 ERA. What? What? I don't mean... Every time he throws the ball, it's just... I, I can't imagine how he knows where it's going. He, he doesn't look like a guy... Just his delivery doesn't look like a guy who would ever have any command. I think the other day I saw him throw a fastball that landed in the dirt. Yeah. Right, I mean, the guy's horribly off balance. And so I guess his command is only ever going to be so good. But, you know, it's... It's tough. It's tough to watch him pitch. It, it's like Kevin Gray. It's no fun to watch him pitch. You, you know, he came in against the Royals the other night and blew him, blew him away. Like, he was very, very good for that one night. And that wasn't any fun because you kept watching him and he looks exactly as awkward and uncomfortable as he always does. And you're just waiting for him to blow up like he usually does. Waiting for does. him to give up. Mike Gonzalez has given up three home runs per nine innings. So what? actual number is that? Let me look. It is 3.12, which which is, uh, well... He's actually given up six home runs over in, in his 17.1 innings. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Mike Gonzalez, I'm sure, is a great person. Maybe he's a great person. I'm not saying he's not a great person or whatever, but seriously, be gone. Be gone from the Orioles. I'm sorry. Just, just be gone. Go away, trouble us no more. But, you know, I mean, we talk about the bullpen. There's only really two guys who are at all worth trusting in any given situation. And that is, of course, Jim Johnson and Koji. Not to ruin our our hate fest. JJ. Yeah. And they're both great. You know, no complaints whatsoever. I mean, you look at their numbers and they'll blow you away. But, uh... You know, I, I uh, sometime last week I looked at how many games the Orioles have won that at least one of those guys didn't pitch in. And it's not a lot. It's like five games. Like, the Orioles are... It, it, I assume they recognize, well, these are two good relief pitchers, and they're just riding the crap out of them. And... You have to I, wonder I, when the thing that's going to come back Sometimes around. I wonder if they even know those are their true relief guys, good relief guys. It's just, I don't know. I mean, why is Kevin Gray still closing if they know he's not the best reliever, you know? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. I wish somebody would ask Buck Showalter, what's the deal? Why, are you, why do you keep throwing this guy who insists on putting runners on base? Why do you keep pitching him? With a one-run lead in the ninth inning. Right. Or maybe somebody could ask Andy McPhail why you signed that guy. Yeah. When, you know. <laughs> when the Mike why? Gonzalez signing went so well. I know. And he decided, and well, mean, let's try it again. Uh, yes. Go back to that well. That was a great decision not. At what point, I guess, just talking about bullpen free agents, and... You know, not all bullpen free agents are a bad idea. Like, 
Jeremy Accardo, who hasn't been particularly great, but under 4 ERA. A lot of walks, but uh, <clears throat> you hope at, at some point those things come down a little bit. And right. I feel and like Accardo he's been on a little bit of a is only on a one-year contract, and it's like $800,000 Exactly. Something. So it's, it's like, okay, not a lot of cost here. So if he's bad, you can just get rid of him and then try the next person. But Kevin Gregg, you're tied to. Yeah. For another whole year, even. Even after this. And, you know, and Mike Gonzalez, to some extent, I guess they feel tied to because, you know, he's making whatever, $6 million this year or $5 million. It's like, oh, we can't just cut him. We're paying him $5 million. But, I mean, he's he's making the Orioles worse every time... He pitches, so can we just pay him to go away? Well, eventually. It's June 1st. At some point, they have to say there's no point in keeping him anymore. And and that point has to be coming soon. It has to. I just feel like that point should have been reached already, and it's frustrating that it hasn't been. I mean, there's so many better options than, than Mike Gonzalez in our organization right now, you know, it, it, there's no situation that you want to pitch him in unless you're losing by, like, eight runs. You don't right, want to be in that situation. That's why he was the last pitcher in the bullpen in that 15-inning game against the Yankees. Right. It was only when Buck had no other choice but to bring in Mike Gonzalez. And then as soon as he came in, he showed exactly why. Because it took him three pitches to let in all the inherited runners and what he gave up a home run there, right, or whatever, and then hit the next guy in the face. So he got ejected, and then Jeremy Guthrie had to come in, thus wrecking the next game's chances because Guthrie couldn't start it. Ah. Well, let's let's move on to uh, some some other areas of the team that we feel need some uh, ranting. one reason we have to see so much of the bullpen is uh, young starters not being able to go deep in games, as we've recently had the demotions of Brad Bergeson and Chris Tillman to contend with. And, you know, really I don't think you can argue either of those guys look like they belonged in the major leagues right now. So, Well, I don't think either one of them belongs in the minors. But they don't I, belong there either. You're well, right. Well, at the same time, you know, I understand the Orioles, they, they can't keep pushing these guys out there and expect to win a whole lot of games. The way, I mean, Tillman can't pitch deep into games. Bergeson is just not a particularly good pitcher. You know, he, they, they Till, have their Tillman uses. is averaging 4.8 innings per start. Well, 48 innings pitched, 10 games started. So right. that's that's not very good. Um, at the same time, I don't think it's the best thing for it, either one of their developments to go down to the minors again. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know what, what I would do with them. We have all these open days in June. I assume the best thing is just to make sure everybody's pitching regularly. And I would assume that is a big part of why they're both gone. Yep. Um, but at the same time, Buck Showalter's comments 
after they got demoted about how they weren't getting the job done, and if they don't get the job done, we'll bring in guys who can get the job done. It just, it, it seemed like, waiter, there's a, there's a fly in my soup, and, I mean, the soup tastes terrible, and it's, it's got all sorts of gross, horrible things in it, and you're complaining about the fly, the one fly that's in it, like, you know. Like, what are they gonna do, call up Troy Patton? I mean, come on. Like, the offense has been terrible, the fielding has been very below average, the bullpen's been terrible, and you're complaining about the fifth starter. Right, the fourth and the fifth starter. Well, well then, yeah. Mattis is coming back, so you're complaining about the fifth starter, and you're saying, we'll bring in Chris Jakubowskis. He can get the job done. And, and who, Who's waiting down in the minors? Rick Vandenherk. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, uh, Ryan Drees. Well, Ryan Drees got released, I thought. Did he? Maybe he did. That's right, because he probably wasn't on the Major League roster by a certain date. Yeah. I'm just looking at the Norfolk Tides stats sheet, and he's still listed on there. I mean, you know. Corey Spoon is starting for Norfolk, it seems like. All these guys that I've named who had an ERA over five, by the way, in Norfolk. I feel bad for Corey Spoon. He had, uh, however many years ago it was now, the Frederick Keys won the, the Carolina League Championship. And Corey Spoon almost to a perfect game in the, the clinching game. And that was, like, the top of his his professional career. Like, Didn't he win the pitcher, the pl- pitcher of the Year award for that season or something? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, and these then, things um, don't really mean anything. But then he got hurt. Right. And, you know, he was never really going to be someone you could count on in any serious way. As a starter, at least. But... You know, he had that one incredible, incredible season, that that one incredible game, and you know, now he's the guy at AAA. You look at him, it's like, well, we don't have anything at AAA. All we have is Corey Spoon. Yeah, we really, we really don't have anything in AAA. So I don't know where these mystery uh, guys are going to come from. So, but Bergeson and Tillman are down there now. So, uh, good luck to them figuring out whatever. I think. In the case of Tillman, it just seems like he has something mechanical he's got to do, and maybe that will make him better. Well, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I have no idea about pitching mechanics at all. But the, you know, there's something about his whole command thing. Uh, I, a lot of people always focus on his his fastball velocity, and I understand that. But you know, when I've watched him pitch. I've been a way, way, way more concerned with the location of his fastball more than how fast. Right, it's, going. it's just right in the middle of the plate sometimes. Right, you know, I mean, you get he the could Jim be Palmer throwing... comes in there and he's going, "Well, you know, Gary, when you're throwing the fastball <laughs> right in on the middle of the plate, they're going to hit it a long way." That's some. As you see, your cord heart, your course like cold hard blast here. That's some professional baseball analysis right there. You can't throw the fastball in the middle of the plate. Who knew? Um. But, you know, I, I don't know what he has to work on, is, I guess, what I'm saying. But I don't, Hope, I have no idea. Hopefully somebody in the Orioles organization North knows, because uh, they, they just don't seem like it sometimes. But uh, it, it was funny in a, again, a sick, twisted way, because this is where I get my humor about the Baltimore Orioles now, that right after all that happened, I mean, Jake Arrieta went out and threw the shortest outing of his career. 
Yes. Sir. All right. What are they going to do? Send him down yeah, too? Like... It's like okay, we'll just start calling up the Bowie roster now. I mean, I don't even know who's down there. Maybe uh, Bobby Bundy's ready yet. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> or uh, hey, Randy Henry. Hey, um, Dylan Bundy, sign with us. We're calling your brother up to the major leagues. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. That'd that be would be the bad. worst thing ever. Fortunately, that's why we're just making wild jokes, and they're not really going to do that. Let's see, who's starting for Bowie? Win Pelzer has a 5.32 ERA in AA. Uh, Rick Sagone is down there. Rick Sagone. Also has a 5.2 ERA. Yeah. Zach Clark, I don't even know who that is. Well, Zach Clark is one of the uh, organizational guys. I, I have no idea how old he is. I wouldn't be surprised if he's over 30, basically. He just, when the Orioles have an opening at one of the rotations somewhere in the minors, they send Zach Clark to go fill it, basically. All right. Well, yeah, so, so there's nobody to call up, so seriously... Rotation, please stop being bad. At least we've got Brian Mattis coming back from the DL. That'll make it a little better. We hope. We hope. Knock on wood. Um, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> well, uh, you know, really, outside of Ferguson and, and Tillman, rotation's been pretty okay. You know, I'm happy with what we've got. Guthrie's looking good. Britain, except for like two games, has looked good. I'm excited for. Seeing Zach Britton and Mattis going like back to back, although just hit you with the lefty, it's w- then hit you with the other lefty. <laughs> it's weird though. You look at Jake Arrieta's stats, and I would say just from watching him, he's been pretty impressive this year. Excuse me, um, a little wild at times, but. Yeah, on, definitely on his whole, biggest pretty, problem pretty is impressive. too many three-ball counts. He just, you know, he gets a guy like O2, and then he can't put him away. It's, I mean, that's all the young starters, really. But Jake more than the rest, because he has the highest walk rate of all the, all those guys. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I looked at ZRA. His ZRA is a tick under five right now. I would not have guessed it would be that high, just based on how he's looked. I guess that's one of the lessons of... Uh, Relying on how guys look, but yeah, you can't trust your lion eyes sometimes, Andrew. No, now I know. I mean, Chris Tillman has a lower ERA than Jake Arrieta. That is bizarre, right? Like Although, I would you never. You know what's have really that. bizarre for Chris Tillman is he actually has the lowest of fielding independent pitching of any of the Orioles starters. So I feel like that stat just doesn't uh, grab him very well. Well, I, I think the problem with Tillman, more than the results, is just efficiency. Like, uh, you know, he he can't pitch deep into games. At, he can't even p- pitch moderately deep into games. Right, he doesn't have the out pitch because guys just keep fouling him off, fouling him off, fouling him off, and then he throws the balls and gets the walks, you know, get these 10-pitch at-bats. I mean, you know, young pitcher, I, I, I'm not disappointed in him in that sense just there's a lot of room for improvement is, is what i'm saying and it, it yes. has little to do or at least less to do with the results he's getting and more to do with how long it takes him to get those results 
Yes. And you know who else is really uh, a lot of room for improvement? On the other side of the ball. Everybody? Really everybody. everybody. <laughs> yes, everybody. That's exactly right. Everybody except for maybe like, I don't know. Actually, I The best I hitter the on the team is Adam Jones. Well, the, uh, of the seven, or sorry, nine regular hitters, and uh, we'll count Brian Roberts even though he's been out, and we'll count Derek Lee even though he's been out. Of the nine regular hitters, two of them do not currently have the lowest on-base percentage and lowest slugging percentage of their careers right now in 2011. Wow. And that's what, Jones and Weeders? Jones and Weeders. Those are the only two guys who aren't at career low levels. Wow. Which is just mind-boggling to me. It, it, it's, Man. That's that's even more depressing than I realized. I might have to um, stop recording this podcast and go cry or something. I mean, I I I have no idea what to say to that. Even I looked it up and I I have no idea what it what. You know, you can I guess break it down a little, and you look at a guy like Derek Lee and a guy like Vlad Guerrero, and you're like, well, they're up there, they're in their mid to late 30s right it makes sense for both of those guys because Derek Lee is an old guy an older guy and uh he had the wrist problem so okay sure Vlad Guerrero is just old and he swings at everything so he probably doesn't have the bat speed he used to okay what's going on with you know Luke Scott who's had like lost like 130 slugging points in the month of May I have no idea. Or, you know, what's going on with Nick Markakis, who I I don't even know what to say about Oh, Nick actually, because it's just... I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Mark. I, <laughs> I forgot J.J. Uh, Hardy does not have the lowest either one of those things of his career. He, he's he's yeah, close, okay. but distinctly above. He had a very, very bad 2009 with Milwaukee. But okay. Well, do we want to count Robert Andino as a regular player? Because he's actually having his career well, that best doesn't really percentage. fit with our whole hate on the Orioles theme. So. No, that's true. What am I thinking? Although, what am I thinking? I can't offer praise when we're I going mean, let's be with serious the hater about Robert Andino. Like, he's not hitting with any power. And you look at his swing. At all. And it doesn't take a professional scout to say, that swing has no power in it. Like, he's moving his feet yeah. before he moves the bat. Like, there's just... No power in that swing at all. And uh, his really high walk rate that's that's propping him up, uh, I'm not sure I believe in it. I'll, I'll go out on that ledge. It, w- it would definitely be surprising if he still has a th- around a 375 on-base percentage. Uh, well, I mean, how long are we going to keep seeing him? Who knows how long Brian Roberts is going to be gone. And it's not like Brian Roberts was playing great even when he was um, not having concussion issues from sliding into first base or whatever. Brian has bad problems with self-inflicted concussions. Because what was it, the end of last year, he hit himself on the head with the bat and he gave himself a concussion? I told my girlfriend about this, and she said, oh, you mean like he swung too hard and the bat came around and hit him in the head? And I was like, no. Like he struck out and then he hit himself in the head with the bat. And she just, she wasn't yeah. getting it. Like, she kept saying, like, so, 
Like, it was on the backswing, right? I was like, no! Like, he was walking back to the dugout and hit himself in the head with the bat and gave himself a concussion. Through the helmet, which still kind of boggles my mind. Like, how stupid can you be? And I'm sure Brian Roberts, who, by all accounts, you know, he's been the face of the Orioles for so long. He's one of my favorite players. He seems like basically the nicest guy you could ever possibly meet as a professional baseball player. And uh, I'm sure he would be the first one to say, yes, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. And, uh, you, you know, with the concussions, I guess you hear a lot about how you get one and it's easier to get a second one. And now he's got that second one. And then it's easier to get the third one. Right, and the cumulative effects are the worst, too. They talk about that more with the NFL, but, I mean, it's serious for any, any yeah. person, let alone professional athletes. I worry, you know, I, I don't think modern medicine really understands concussions very well, and I worry that the more we learn about them, the more we're going to find out that when we think we're being cautious, like Brian Roberts has been told basically not to move for three weeks. And that sounds like, wow, that's being really careful with him. Like, good for us. Like, we're, we're taking this seriously. And I feel like if you look back at this in two years, we're going to say, like, we were being, like, really, really dangerously uh, unguarded with Brian Roberts uh, with concussions. It definitely seems like the trend is, you know, more and more caution and... I would say that's probably true. It'll be like, you let him play again the rest of the season? I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration. I mean, maybe it's but not, though. Talking about, talking about he'll be back in two weeks was, you know, seven-day DL for concussions, I guess, is kind of a joke. It should it should just be, you know, maybe automatic 15-day DL. Well, I DL. think the I idea is, with the seven-day DL, to make it more palatable to teams to put these guys on the DL with concussion symptoms. Yes, that's true. It's a good intermediate step, I guess. We can say but, that. About. I mean, has there been anybody who's just out for a week with concussions and then comes back and is fine? I can't think of anybody like that. I really don't know, because, I mean, it's not like that issue is as big in baseball. Uh, but It's scary stuff. I mean, I hope I never get a concussion, basically. I think I had one when I was like six, because I fell off my bike and I wasn't wearing a helmet at that time. Or maybe I even was, and I got a concussion through the helmet, but uh, I wouldn't want to get any more. I'm sure it's snow. Well, anyway, even when Roberts was playing, now that he's out, I mean, I, I, I've already started to see some comments around the blogosphere about... Maybe the Orioles aren't playing well because Brian Roberts is out, but when he was here, he was playing really, really poorly. Brian Roberts was batting 221 with a 273 on base percentage. He had really no range in the field, just that I could see from watching games, just balls that I was sure he would get even probably two years ago. It just seemed like he couldn't quite get to him. He uh, he wasn't diving for anything because his back probably. And I mean, I'm not as much on the Brian Roberts train as you are, but I you know I want Brian Roberts to be a part of the next good Orioles team. But yeah, I don't I don't see I mean, it happening. It's, it's, it's not looking good for it's not looking good for. Well, 
in one sense, it's not looking good that there's ever going to be another good Orioles team. But yeah. in the other sense, it's not looking good. The uh, Brian Roberts is really going to be much of a contribution in you know the rest of his yeah. Contract. And you know that sort of gets to what's really bothering me about this team. You look at the regular position players, and I mean I'm looking at them right now, and I see maybe three that I'm thinking are like long-term pieces. And yep. it's Weeders and Jones and Marcakis. And Marcakis is having a year where it looks like uh, he, he was in college using a metal bat and then suddenly switched to a wooden bat and can't hit at all anymore. I would just, I would really love to know what the reason is. I just, you know, I just want to know. I wish somebody could find out. I mean, he's like he's totally lost it. I don't. I I hope it's just like a a bad slump, and then it's sort of built up in in his head more, and it's become a worse slump, and it's sort of snowballing. But he has totally lost everything that made him a good player. Yeah. It's, At it's, age twenty seven. It's it's seen. It's it's really obscene. It, I I can't be that he's old. I, so Nick Markakis is like born in the same month as me. Seriously. So if Nick Markakis is old, like I don't even know. Like, I'm bad. That's bad for me. I don't know. But but I mean, if we say Markakis is is just not going to be a, a player that you can build around, regardless of his contract situation. If this is just the new Markakis, which would be awful and terrible, but that leaves us with two players that the Orioles can can build around, and that's Matt Wieters and Adam Jones. And Andy McPhail. Hey, don't forget about Nolan Reimold. Come on. Well, now. okay, no, but I'm Nolan dreaming, Reimold. But... As much as I want the guy to get an opportunity, he has a lot of proving himself to do. Right, 26 plate appearances this year. So, but hopefully he gets consistent time. I really want to see more Nolan. Let's I mean, he, he was one of my favorite players two years ago. I, I think he was one of everybody's favorite players two years ago. But he, he's he got a lot of proving himself to do. But, okay, even if we add Nolan Reimold in there... Which would I, be ridiculous to do anyway. But, I think okay. Nolan Reimold long-term is more of a DH player because yeah. out in left field he hasn't looked good. Right, he has so. his Achilles problems. So he might as well just slap him in that DH, for um, sure. But, uh, you know... Andy McPhail's been here for, what, three years, four years now? What was it, the middle of the 2007 season he came in, was right? Was it 2007 or 2006? Why do neither of us know this? <laughs> I don't know. We're bad. We're bad podcast hosts here, But clearly. A- anyway, he's been here for a long time, and we've been in this, like, true rebuilding period over that time. And... You know, we've been paying a lot more attention to the minors, and he did reinvigorate the minor league system, and we have seen a lot more younger players. Okay. But they've June all been two thousand seven. He was hired as the president of baseball operations. Okay. Okay. But uh, so that's almost almost four years now. Yeah. Um. But positionally, two players. And 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 Weeders was drafted before. Uh, right. 
he was hired. So McPhail, all he did was sign weeders. So here's what here's what kills me about McPhail when I really think about it. If you take out the Tejada trade and the Bedard trade, what is the best thing that McPhail has done? Well, uh, the other Tejada trade. The first Tejada trade. Well, yes. I'm saying I'm saying. Well, the best thing would probably be the Cheryl trade, where where we got Steve Johnson and uh, Josh Bell. Although that hasn't borne fruit for the Major League Club yet. No, but at the time, the trade was brilliant. It did look like a good trade. That's true. Um, and the second Tejada trade would be up there, I guess. I, know, I mean, when you're talking about, like, oh, we got Wynn Pelzer, and that was, like, the great thing that happened. I mean, getting rid of Miguel Tejada for anything at that point was. I mean, you uh, can put uh, Aubrey Huff for Brett Jacobson up there too, and you know Brett Jacobson's Brett Jacobson's gone. He was traded for JJ uh, Hardy. But, but that was fruit from the Aubrey Huff tree, so right. that's okay. Uh, I mean, it, free agent wise, nothing. There hasn't nothing. been. I think Vlad Guerrero is probably the best free agent signing. And I guess maybe if we want to um, give him credit for the Koji signing, but even then, Koji's first year was kind of a wash. Well, that's that's true. I mean, he was pretty good, just couldn't stay healthy. Right. Um, but I, I I wouldn't say I I would do that contract again in a heartbeat if if just to relive the whole thing. I I I was fine with that. Yeah, I think so too. But you know, there hasn't been any like knocked it out of the park things since the the Bedard trade, basically. Um, how long can we keep going where he's just riding on that? Well, we're probably going to find out unless he uh, comes up with another success. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I feel bad being just all on this hate train but it's yeah, this well, week it's really bummed me out just watching how the how it is this week and it's funny because had they even won one of the games in oakland and won yesterday in seattle we'd probably not be so angry so, so disappointed angry is not even the right word for how i feel just no. sad i feel sad i sad sad is a good word sad is a good word for the last you know, thirteen years. Um, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they they beat Monsieur Bedard tonight, and uh, we we can get the good feelings back a little bit. We we right? No. Okay, I'll just I'll, I never, I'll never, I never speak learned, French again. I never learned French. So. No, we'll uh, we'll avoid foreign languages on the podcast from this point forward until the next time. I feel like horribly <laughs> mangling pronunciations anyway. Uh, so okay, let's see. Let's get in our trivia question answer now. So you can, uh, right. I'll play the role of Gary Thorne, and you can make me look stupid. The uh, the only major leaguer who was buried in Arlington National Cemetery is a Negro Leagues player. Actually, his name is Judd Wilson. He was nicknamed Bazoom, even though that is spelled with a J, which doesn't make any sense to me. But um, he was inducted into the the, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown out of the Negro Leagues in 2006 when, uh, if you've read uh, The Soul of Baseball, which is 
if if I had to give one baseball book to anybody to read, it would be that. Um, part of the plot of that was Buck O'Neill going up to the the uh, the podium, I guess, and trying to get these guys inducted into the Hall of Fame. But uh, Judd Wilson, uh, notable for being one of the best pure hitters in the Negro Leagues. Uh, I believe he finished his career with a top five batting average. And uh, he played for the uh, Baltimore Black Sox. So that's your connection to the Orioles. Oh, hey, how about that? Yeah, and um, he more famous for playing for the Philadelphia Stars and the famous Homestead Grays. But uh, uh, I think at some point, Joe Posnanski, the great Sports Illustrated columnist, was talking about a, uh, a game of, uh, like a, a card-based baseball game. He was playing against somebody, and he had Judd Wilson batting against Satchel Page in the ninth, down by one run or two runs, and he said, the one thing you need to know about Judd Wilson is that Judd Wilson could hit. So, one of the best hitters of all time, maybe. Um, only Hall of Famer buried in Arlington National Cemetery because he fought in World War One. World War One, even? Yep. Goodness. <laughs> I don't know if I should say I hope more Hall of Famers get buried in Arlington National Cemetery, or fewer? It's hard to imagine professional baseball players coming out of the military in the way our society is now, really. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I can't exactly picture, like, Alex Rodriguez getting drafted and going to fight in Afghanistan or, or wherever. Not that there's a draft, obviously, but... Right, yep. I guess we should move on from that before we step on the politics landmine too much, huh? So, uh, let's see. Our stat of the podcast this time, Andrew is going to regale us because I am an uneducated rube <laughs> when it comes to this stat uh, with something he's been working on with his, sh- uh, with his shiny new job with Baseball Info Solutions. So, Andrew, go ahead and well, fire away. I wrote about this today uh, on the website. You all should read it. Um, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but uh, one of the many things that Baseball Info Solutions does, and it's what I would say they're most famous for, even though it is a small part of what they do, uh, is the plus-minus defensive rating system, uh, which basically takes every play that every baseball player has made, and it compares that exact play to that exact play that everybody else has made. And they do this by, um, they hand score every game, noting where every hit ball goes to on the field. And then they plot that coordinate, and they say, let's say that this particular ground ball to shortstop, for example, to this specific spot, happened a hundred times in 2010. And one of those hundred times, Derek Jeter just didn't, he bobbled it or he couldn't get to it or something like that. I know that sounds ridiculous to to Mark Brown that Derek Jeter would not be able to get to a ground ball. But, uh, it is. You're straining, you're straining my, uh, my disbelief here. But let's say, on the whole, even counting Derek Jeter, that play was made 77% of the time. So 
Derek Jeter not making that one play would earn him a minus .23 because that's 1 minus the 77%. And when J.J. Hardy made that play for the Twins, because we're talking about last year, um, he would earn himself... Oh, I'm sorry, I have it backwards. J.J. Hardy would earn himself plus .23, and uh, Derek Jeter would lose himself uh, .77. Okay, so it's kind of a zero-sum... Right. Well, not really, but... It's okay. close. And then you total up everybody's combined plays from the entire season, and you end up with a number where zero is average, and it's just average compared to everybody else. And and above zero is above average, and below zero is below average. And there are some technicalities to it, and it's certainly not a perfect stat. Uh, but when you're talking about defensive stats, I mean... What do you have to go on? There's nothing, which is the preferred stat of many a baseball commentator. Right, they want to go with their eyes, do the which two two fingers pointing at their eyes <laughs> and out on the field, right? I mean, I understand that because, I don't know, defensive stats being such a fringe thing, I don't necessarily need them to enjoy a game. Like, I can tell what's a good play and I can tell what's a bad play. And I can tell what should have been made and what should not have been made. And just knowing that, well, this guy is really good defensively. It doesn't, like, that added context, I guess, doesn't really help me as a fan. The way knowing that, for example, Adam Jones is a really good hitter when he comes to the plate. Just for whatever reason, that sets me up a lot better than than knowing who's a good defender and who's not. So using the plus minus, uh, who rates, like, you know, who's like your top tier guys looking with that? Well, uh, I believe the highest rated of all time was a plus 48, and I might have this wrong. It was a plus 48 from Adam Kennedy a couple of years ago. Um, And he's one of those all-field, no-hit shortstop. Except for when he plays the Orioles and then he hits, like, home runs, right? Yeah, right. Um, Offense is down all across Major League Baseball, except when playing the Orioles, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Just something about the Orioles makes people want to uh, bring out their their hitting sticks. Um, Tee off. Right now, you will probably be surprised to learn that a guy named Gerardo Parra, who is Arizona's left fielder, is the major league leader in uh, defensive run saves is the the combined plus minus stat. Uh, my my coworker was just telling me this today, and he needed to tell me who Gerardo Para is. And I think that's really the uh, the point of all this is I would have had no idea that that was the highest rated player in all of baseball without that. That is uh, that is shocking. So who's the highest on the Orioles? Well, I don't know. Let me let me check. This will be fun. Highest and the lowest on the Orioles is what I would I, just give us a sampling of the Orioles guys. Actually, would be what I would be uh, interested in there. Well, I will use um, in general defensive stats 
you want to use a much larger period of time than you would Right, because what do they say about UZR? You want three years' worth of data or right, something? Right, exactly. So I will use between 2008 and 2010 for the Orioles, and I will tell you, between those three years, who had the, the best and who had the worst. I'm going to go ahead and guess like everybody's is bad here, actually. Now, Derek Lee maybe has good ones. I don't know. Well, Derek Lee, um, because wasn't on the Orioles, and I'm just searching by Orioles. Probably not going to oh, be okay. high, rated very highly. But uh, oh, this. I hope I hope Cesar Asturias has a good number. He is up to there. Make up for his. All right. He is not number one. I was surprised. Um. um I don't know. Adam. Jones. Adam Jones is plus seventeen over those three years. Um. At number one on the Orioles, which is. Pretty good. I mean, it's not super great, but that's pretty good. Plus 17. Uh, Nick Markakis, number two. That should not come as any big surprise. Um, he's at plus 14, and then Cesar Asturias at plus 13. On the negative side, just for a sampling, um, amusingly, uh, Alex Cintron, who was not in Baltimore for very long, is the worst at negative 10. <laughs> Oh my! And he just retired this past week, and I I saw that he retired, and I was thinking, well, he wasn't very good. I'm glad he's retired. One head of the five-headed yeah. shortstop monster from 2008. Um, also down there, Aubrey Huff at minus nine. Not shocking. No. Uh, Garrett Atkins again, not there very long, minus seven. Wow! Like he was he was on the Orioles for like. A month and a half before he got riding the pine. And he was awful. Um, that's why he was released uh, basically as well, quickly plus, as he Plus could. he was bad at hitting. Yeah, he wasn't good at anything. And he got $4.5 million. Andy McPhail. Oh. So, in general, you, you get the sense that it gets the end points more or less right. Um, which is a good part of the battle. I think, and uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about it uh, as I get more accustomed to working with Baseball Info Solutions, and uh, hopefully we'll see some enhancements to it. I know it, it's a changing stat. It's not like OPS where we have a formula and it's always going to be that formula. Um, well, definitely share your uh, share your findings if you know you're allowed to. If it's nothing proprietary, all that stuff. That sounds pretty cool to keep track of as it evolves. So yeah, um, I will. Uh, I guess keep everybody informed of the ever-changing nature of the advanced statistics business. I would like to keep informed, although I don't act like it sometimes. It's nice to be informed. So let's see. Our hate fest definitely ran a little longer than I thought, but we still want to squeeze in a little preview of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, at least touch on some stuff with them, because we're about to face them for the first time in 2011, which is kind of weird uh, that it's taken this long to get to one of our divisional opponents. But, that is weird. Hey. Uh, yeah, that's Toronto. So the easiest topic with Toronto, Jose Bautista. Holy crap. Holy crap. Because here's Jose Bautista. He's it's it's May 31st. He's homered 20 times. Former Oriole, yeah. He's homered 20 times. He has a 21.8% walk rate. 
He's batting 356 average. He has a 502 on base percentage, 791 slugging percentage. Those are Nintendo numbers. Like I, I can't even comprehend how you can have a 502 on base percentage on May the 31st. He's playing Ken Griffey Jr. All Star Baseball, and the rest of us are playing actual baseball. Except his numbers are allowed what? to count for some reason. I mean. Where did he come from? I mean, obviously last year he had uh, the 54 home run. This year it's just even more ridiculous with 20 already. So, I mean, what is that going to be? So he's more or less on pace for like 60 or something? If we had a 60 home run season when there's steroid testing, that's just incredible. I think it's, it's, well, incredible is a good word. You know, I I think it's good for the game because we have what is, by all accounts, a lot of people are going to have their misgivings and their their. And we've certainly seen a lot of those stories, which I really get on my nerves because I don't understand how you can call yourself a professional and just write one of those stories where they're like, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Like, you know? why not just say? If you're going to say... Just say. Uh, I think it would be ridiculous to say. I think it would be unprofessional and irresponsible. That's me. We have, as far as I'm concerned, uh, steroids are bad. We have steroid testing because they're bad. He has not failed a steroid test. That's the end of the story, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there's there's no reason to cast aspersions in this point. I mean, I can kind of see guys that played in the era, but, you know, it's 2011. Let's just let's just enjoy a guy who's just you know crushing the baseball. Maybe he really tweaked his swing, you know, because what was it? The September of two thousand nine, he had uh, suddenly increased his power just then. So yeah, so um, let's see who's facing in that series. The matchups are um, Carlos Villanueva against Zach Britton, and. Um, Villanueva is the right-handed pitcher that we will be seeing in the series. And then Ricky Romero, who has blossomed into a legit ace as far as I'm concerned, against Jake Arrieta, who, of course, will need to bounce back big time from his last outing. Um, And then Jojo Reyes, fresh off his first win in many years against uh, Jeremy Guthrie. Guthrie, I think Jose Bautista might hit three home runs off Guthrie because Guthrie gives up a lot of homers. Well, I hope not. I can definitely see it happening, but I hope not. Maybe he's good for he's good for two, maybe. Um, it's worth noting Bautista is not the only Blue Jay who's been swinging the the hot stick in 2011. He he is by far their best hitter and. I mean, you could put him on any team, and he would be by far their best hitter. But uh... Here's a statistic about a good-hitting Blue Jay. And for the Orioles fan listeners here, if you need to get a bag in case you're going to vomit, hold you on, might want to do on, that now. Hold on, one second. Yeah, okay. So, Corey Patterson, you may remember him. He has His slugging percentage is 467, which is higher than anybody on the Orioles. Corey Patterson. 
Uh, here's another Corey Patterson stat for you. His on-base percentage is 325. This number is equal to Nick Markakis' slugging percentage. What the heck? Corey Patterson? Why? Uh, Mark, I'm just going to lay down on the floor because I don't feel well. And uh, you can just take the, the podcast from here, right? You got this. Okay. Okay, I guess I can handle it, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, Corey, okay, so Corey Patterson has actually been batting in front of Jose Bautista. So I know lineup protection is one of those things that they don't get a lot of credit to, but when you've got a guy who's hit 20 home runs already, I feel like maybe they're not wanting to walk guys on base ahead of him. So maybe that actually means Corey Patterson is seeing more strikes, and maybe that means he can swing at more pitches, because Corey Patterson, bad plate discipline, yes. Uh, and then he's able to hit with power, because that was a skill he did have when he was, you know, actually connecting with the baseball. But still, wow. I mean, he never slugged like that when he was on the Orioles. Let's see, 2006, he had a 443 slugging percentage. Oh, he had a 511 slugging in 2003 with the Cubs. Wow. Corey Patterson. What a crazy character. Just never put it together. I don't know. Andrew, are you still dead over there? I'm, I actually, I feel a whole lot better. For some reason. Okay, I feel that's happy. good. It's, it's, it's good, and, to, uh, good to recover. I don't meditate. Go in the car. We'll never mention that so again. I should get back in this. How many wins okay. do you think uh, the Orioles will have? in addition to what they already have between now and, and the end of the Blue Jays series coming up. Do you have any faith in them at all to turn around this losing streak? They've got to pick up one somewhere. I mean, they can't, they're not going to lose nine in a row, are they? That would, that would bum me out, because, I mean, that's the stuff we see in the past years, where it's like at some point they finally claw up to 500 and then just go thunk for like a stupid long losing streak and then they never sniff it for the rest of the year. That would that would bum me out if we lost that many. I don't know. I feel like maybe tomorrow against Seattle. Oh, Mattis against Pineda. That'll be tough too. Although Crap. the Orioles have already beaten the Mariners when Pineda started once this year. If Mattis is firing on all cylinders right away, which is no sure thing. I mean, the good. Seattle offense is not exactly the, the, the... It's not exactly anybody, really. It's not It's not very good. Let's see. So, there, so there's five games, the outcome of which we don't know at the, as of this recording. I'm going to say, huh, maybe we win two of those five. I'd, I'm, I'd be I'll happy with, with taking two at this I feel point. like I've... I've purged all the negative energy and then I, I laid down on the floor for a while and I, I feel it was really yeah. a cathartic experience I just needed to get all that off my <laughs> chest I um, I do now we can you know we can turn this off we can go watch the game tonight and we can uh, you know go root for the Orioles and, and hope that is that my exact good. plan uh, although you know uh, Eric Bedard I still really really like that guy you know if, if anybody has to beat the Orioles, I want it to be him. There's just something about that surly Canadian that just gets your heart all aflutter, I think. Although, we're totally going to beat him tonight. I, I can sense it. Something, something about the air. Well, 
everybody will know uh, by the time they listen to this whether yeah, we'll uh, just whether, uh, whether uh, whether we'll go back and Photoshop in me saying uh, he's totally going to beat us if, if he does. That's right. We could. We could actually, if we really wanted to be fancy, re-record, but we're not going to do that because uh, <laughs> honestly, that would be too much effort. So it's okay. So yeah, uh, two games, three games. I'd be happy with either one. I just they need to stop oh, the free fall. Well, just arrest the downward. Forgot to mention while I was on the floor momentum. last year, the Blue Jays actually were the toughest opponent the Orioles faced. Right, the Orioles only won yeah. what three games, so that means they were three and fifteen, three and sixteen three against and 15. Toronto. So part of that is just a weird, fluky thing, you know. No team. I think is good enough to beat another team 15 times out of 18 tries. Uh, although, if there was a bad team, it would be the 2010 Orioles. But, uh, Before the Buck era, anyway. No, although, we still even got swept after by them Buck, the I think they only... Year. But, yeah. you got to turn that around. Uh, I, I, outside of the Yankees, and, of course, the Yankees have... have mop the floor with the Orioles so far. But uh, I, I would say the Blue Jays are the key opponent in 2011 for the Orioles, and they got to get it turned around starting this week. So, yeah, Let's get, you know, go for 500 against Toronto. That's picking up five wins over the last yeah. year just right there. That's, that's non-trivial. Don't suck against Toronto. That's our goal. Okay. Orioles, uh, you know, make it All happen. Right. They also have Yunel Escobar hitting really good. Goodness. Toronto's got some good good yeah. hitters this year. Strange. Well, maybe good not that strange. But. Why can't we have good pitching and good hitting, Andrew? Because we were all Hitler in past lives. You know, I wonder all that sometimes. Was I Mussolini? Was I Pol Pot? I don't know. It, it really feels like I must have been somebody horrible. And, and all of us must have been somebody horrible. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for for this episode. I think that just about does it for us too. So, oh, by the way, this podcast is now on iTunes. So you can uh, look on Canvan Chat to see how to subscribe through iTunes. So, if you want to be awesome, you can do that, and uh, that would be cool. I do it. I'm cool. Actually, I'm cool I'm too. Not cool, and I don't do it. So sorry. Um. Well, I'm not cool either, but I am also I am subscribed to my own podcast. I think I'm the only person who is because uh, I just announced it to the world right now. So hey. Well, that makes me a pretty bad liar too. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we're bad at a lot of things because we're Orioles fans. It rubs off. It's okay though. All right. Well, I will uh, be talking to you soon. Hopefully, we'll we'll get these a little more regular. Um, Every two weeks is probably and, uh, the goal here, I think. I hope everybody's still enjoying it. And, yeah, go O's. Go O's. Yeah, enjoy your new job, Andrew. I'll be seeing you. And for, uh, so for Andrew, I am Mark, and this is Camden Cast. We are out. <laughs>